Apple called their press conference, let's talk iPhone. So let's talk about it here on the World in My Pocket podcast. Pocket Podcast. My name is Justin Valero. And I'm Andrew Yanez. And this week, uh, we talking about iPhone, uh, all everything iPhone, well, everything Apple, really. Uh, yeah. We had our uh, initial podcast last, uh, last night uh, talking about our predictions, and boy, were we um, absolutely wrong. In every... <laughs> I, I, I would like to say that we were wrong for the right reasons. We were, <laughs> I'm sorry that we expected so much, Tim Cook, but uh, we were hopeful. We were hopeful. Um, you know, basically looking at everything that Apple kind of did in a in a quick uh, overview, um, Apple released uh, no iPhone 5. Uh, it's, it's plain and clear now uh, that there is an iPhone 4S, um, which is surprisingly lacking any LTE or WiMAX support. That is the biggest i'd say um letdown of the day but of course there was other things that they talked yes. about during I, the I press think, conference I, absolutely and i think let's start out with um with lion i mean they they came out saying all right uh you know lion has what an 80 percent adoption rate over you know snow leopard and that they had this graph about showing oh look windows 7 is taking forever and look how fast we're taking an adoption even though they're they don't if they fail in that graph to say that there's a huge, many, many times more uh, PCs that actually have Windows than I will Max say though. I will say though, I do like I do like the interesting uh, point that they made, especially about the amount of downloads that Lion was uh, received, and especially the way it was offered. Um, they they drove home a lower price point because it was a digital download, um, and it definitely connected to the customer base. And I think it really proved um, not not really a win for Apple per se, but I think really a win for the industry itself, showing that um, it, the, the ability to do that and do it successfully is is out there. Well, there's definitely a lot of companies right now that are trying to get into the mobile da- or get into the digital download space and for Apple to take a type of the action that it did when it was releasing Lion that was a good move um, Amazon starting to do that we're seeing a lot of big companies starting to move in their direction of digital downloads so Apple doing that I think is more par for the course than anything and I think if anything this pro- this press conference didn't really show the type of leadership or innovation in the market that Apple's typically been doing. I mean, at least you know, pushing the envelope, it feels, like, it feels as if it's been quite safe this year. They are taking a real safe approach to their product line. Um, I think it's, they, they didn't really want to take a gamble, and I don't know if it's too much the leadership uh, directly, uh, you know, i.e. Tim Cook, or if it's something that's really the board was really shaky on losing Steve. Um, by the way, if you guys listened last night, um, I, I remained sober the entire press conference. There was not a single Steve Jobs drop uh, the entire thing. I really do want to say, though, Tim Cook did show some strength, and I like how he took credit for his work at Apple, showing that he had been there for a long time, showing you know what they've done over the past few years, the kind of market share that they now have. But, you know, the last little pie chart that he shows was, you know, uh, here's a direct quote from him. Now, despite all of this, 
there is still 70% of people buying something else. We still have a lot to do. That that really speaks a lot for Tim Cook and kind of uh, says a lot for what the the company's going towards. They they are really going to hit heavy on the fact that they want an iOS product in every single hand. Well, I think and they're definitely definitely have that type of momentum. The the thing that I found interesting was in this press conference it seemed very very <laughs> reminiscent. It was they wanted to go back oh ten years ago this is what we were doing. Um, look they were talking about the iPod how they for it was in that very room that they were actually announcing the iPod ten years ago, and now it's become what seventy eight percent of the portable music player market is our iPads our iPods. Um, so I know they wanted to really rest uh, it. I'm afraid of Apple resting on their laurels on a lot of this stuff. That's the thing that I'm worried about, is that Apple has usually been this innovator, innovator, innovator. We're doing something completely different, and now we're just kind of doing the same type of thing. Look at the iPod lineup that they came out with. Um, I, that was the one prediction that I actually, that and um, Assistant, or now Siri, were the only two predictions that I got right. And that <laughs> there, there wasn't, any real major refresh. I mean, there was a couple of uh, software things that were taken care of. I think uh, what the Nano has uh, t- twelve different clock faces now. Yeah, something like that. Um, you know, they 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 almost. I felt like they, I was being shown a novelty product. Like, well, I, oh, if, and the iPod Touch is now white. Yeah, I mean that that's that's almost expected. I mean. Um, the, the, there was a lot of other things that Apple showed that I think show almost a fail at at trying to innovate. For instance, this whole mail feature that they're doing, where you can create a card, you can have it. Uh, you know, Apple will print it, Apple will write it out, Apple will mail it for you. It, I was really surprised that that was something that they really pushed. Like, oh, by the way, look what we're doing. I was thinking, really? It it almost felt like like it was rushed it almost felt like someone said well we don't have anything else you know we don't really have another idea we don't really have another kind of app that we would want to do so so we're going to go after the hallmark people yeah let's go for cards um i i don't agree with it i think you know when you can go off and buy a card or uh, let alone make one on your computer make one uh for email there's you know tons of different options now um I, I don't see anyone willing to pay two ninety nine per card to get something mailed out like that. It's it's bizarre, is what it is. Really, it's 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 making a product for a, a niche of that is almost non existent. Uh, unless unless we're we're wrong, unless you know, I, I'd love to be surprised and show you know stay at home moms across America utilizing this service four or five times a week. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Now, speaking of a product that they actually they a market that they created, they actually the one thing that I thought that they they definitely had bragging rights on was talking about the iPad, uh, talking about how schools were using, talking about how medical professionals are using it, using how Fortune 500 companies are using it. I mean, that's a market that they opened up, and so I thought you know do, showing that and then showing how iOS five makes iPad better. I thought that was a far better presentation than what we're going to be talking about with the iPhone presentation that they brought up. 
Yeah, and you know what the 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 other thing that I really respected about that part is they they specifically went out and said, look, forty percent of schools are doing this. Uh, this percentage of businesses are doing this now. Fortune five hundred companies have this percentage of people trying this out. It's they they went after hard data, and it was all really successful hard data. It 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 showed that their level of confidence in that in that product. But that's also a scary thing. It's the thing that we've kind of repeated throughout this so far. But it's. It's is is Apple becoming stagnant? Are they are they losing their innovative touch? And is that going to open the door for someone to step in and and kind of knock down this powerhouse? Mm. Uh, the other thing that I think, looking at the way that the press conference was done in general, I thought that half of it was a rehash of what happened at WWDC early this definitely, year. They, definitely, definitely. They we all had a really big a really big uh, sense of deja, deja vu. vu. Yeah, and the 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 funny thing is talking about Lion and all of you know all of the major points of Lion, and then I remember they went through all ten of iOS iOS five's new features. Um, right, I'm like okay, um, and <laughs> so- right, yeah, no, I wanted, I want, I want to sit there and and I used to I used to remember uh, Justin, we were we were in high school, or I'm sorry, we were just done with high school when the iPhone came out, and as soon as those specs hit. I went to everyone I knew and was like, hey, did you hear about this capacitive touch? And they could do multi-touch and you could pinch the zoom and you could do this and that. And there's web browsing on a phone. And I mean, they were doing things that 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 changed the game. And I think now, uh, I mean, every phone up, up, every iPhone before this has really changed the game. There's been a new uh, introduction, multitasking. There's been iCloud. There's been HD video recording um, and the Retina display. I think what I, they want. Think, I think what they wanted to do, though, I think Siri was the real, you know, rabbit out of the hat that they thought was really going to impress people. And it, yes, it is impressive, but it's. It's doing something a little better of stuff that we've seen before from instance Google. Um, I think it's I think Siri is definitely something that is impressive, but without, for instance, an LTE network um, or for or without having that type of hardware to really really in, reinforce it. I mean, they have the dual core processor, and because they, apparently you can only get Siri on io on iPhone. Uh, 4s and right and just just for those of you listening who uh who haven't haven't read into this at all yet uh siri is a new uh, application that's going to be run for the iphone 4s it uh it is almost like a virtual assistant um if if you have downloaded this in the past uh, i know that siri uh was available on the app store before today but um it's it's kind of been integrated into the whole operating system and integrated to a sense like i've said uh, a virtual assistant for example you can say um, uh, Siri, I need to wake up at 6 a.m. Please set an alarm. And it'll say, and, okay, I'll wake you up. Or um, I want to eat Greek food. Well, I found 14 Greek restaurants. Five of them are in the city that you're in. I've sorted them by rating. Hey, um, that I did think was cool, that they sorted yeah. it by rating and they had all that set up. I thought that was very cool. It's it's definitely really nice, but all of this is code. All of this is um, is software. I don't see what is prohibiting a simple software update to run on an iPhone 4, uh, let alone an iPhone 3GS. I mean, if, well, if, apparently if, what Apple was saying is that because it's integrated straight into the iPhone uh, 4S, that it's apparently extreme. The way that they have it done is extremely software or uh, 
CPU intensive. So having the dual core processor was a necessity to be able to do this. That was the explanation that they gave. Uh, I, I I guess I I just I I'm very surprised by it because the technology has worked on the models before. the The Siri app has been available. It's not something new. This isn't a new idea. This isn't an innovation. This is just just uh, having it as a native application that works throughout the operating system is something that's new. Well, uh, yeah, but I mean, is is it really something new when you say, "Look, I'm going to get something that someone's already done and just integrate it into my system"? That's like saying Google Maps was something new that Apple did. It, it wasn't something new. Google Maps existed. They just made a mobile version for iPhone. Hmm. I think that iPhone. I guess that's going to be the feature that they're going to be promoting on the commercials for this thing. Because, I mean, if you look at what it looks like now, it looks like an iPhone 4. Uh, there's nothing really distinctive about, for instance, the appearance. And, I mean, I guess I can understand if we're going to get into iPhone 4. Um, but before that, just right before we get into that, it's uh, uh, they did announce iCloud and they did announce a date for iOS 5 for of these other devices and it's going to be October 12th. So. Yeah, but I mean they've the, uh, announcing iCloud is like saying, you know, they've they've they had a soft launch at WWDC. I mean, it's it's things that we've known about. I mean, this I I didn't learn anything from this press conference other than there isn't an iPhone 5 yet. Oh, right. And uh, I, th- I think everybody's hopes got kind of crushed and shattered. Uh, it's like that kid waiting for uh waiting for his dad to deadbeat dad to come pick him up and he never comes it's <laughs> <laughs> i was just sitting there with my lunchbox by the flagpole pa it's already five thirty. tim cook why aren't you giving me my iphone 5 yet? <laughs> <laughs> but, well i mean i, but, I mean I, at least you got a date for it i mean at least so people who have you know uh, ios devices from 3gs all the way up at least you know you, you oh by the way you're getting a software update, so half of the stuff that we're talking about, or most of the stuff we're talking about today besides Siri, you'll be able to get, which is another reason why it's confusing me about what is going to make iPhone 4 buyers want iOS, want to get an iPhone 4S if all you're going to get, because you're going to get iOS 5. Right. But you're not going to, all you're not going to get is the is the assistant, and the assistant dual core and i guess we should just get into the iphone 4s by about yeah. what it's doing um so they announced the iphone 4s and the specs of it is it's running uh, naturally everybody thought it's running an a5 processor so it's going to be dual core um 512 of ram i was a little surprised about that well uh, the thing the thing about apple's operating system is you have to remember it's it's flash based you know everything is is a flash um um, flash memory, so you're not really needing uh, a higher amount of RAM to run their OS, but it's it's really all in the CPU, and I think that's why they really focused on putting in that A5, right. which uh, wasn't a big surprise. No, I mean you're going to get you know twice as fast CPU. You're getting uh, up to seven times faster graphics performance from what they were saying at the conference. And then apparently they were, even though they have a dual core processor on that, they were actually able to squeak out another hour of battery life on uh, 3G talk time. It went from seven hours to eight hours. Right. Uh, which I actually think was pretty impressive, except uh, 
I, I noticed that they were ragging on some other phones. And I, if you look at, like, for instance, the Droid Bionic, if you were running off with 3G talk time, I think you have something to the tune of 10 hours. But then again, you can't take a photo in enough time. You have to take a coffee when you have a Bionic camera, right? <laughs> yeah, that was a big thing they brought up. Uh, one of the big things that they brought up is uh, the, the, camera, the camera on the, the iPhone camera. is able to take a, um, a picture uh, one point in, one, in, in 1.1 1. 1 seconds. seconds. Yeah, so another uh, one can, in half a second. Exactly. So you could snap off pictures very rapidly. They uh, they showed a new um, a new uh, feature. For example, if you're an iPhone user, you can know you know one of the biggest problems with the camera is no hard button for it. So in the new update, they're saying that you can use the volume, the volume up, up as a shutter button. It's not very um, appealing. It's not very uh, uh, you know it's vanity wise. It doesn't really blend in. But it's yeah, it's it's good use of an extra button, and it's good you know. There's apps in jailbroken technologies that have been doing this for a while. And, so. they, and they've definitely, I mean, uh, if, if, if they were talking about the camera, they definitely wanted to make it something that was going to be, um, you know, they, they definitely want to be more serious about the camera. I think they definitely did that. The, they made it an eight megapixel, eight megapixel, but, you know, pixels don't always, you know, pixels aren't always everything. They included a far more sensitive light sensor. You've got... Uh, quite a few nice little, you know, HDR. You got the um, dynamic light um, sensors that actually look really, really good. I mean, they've really improved the camera considerably, and they want this to be the best point and shoot that you have connected to a camera phone. Yeah, I think one of the quotes was, uh, "This is the best camera people have ever had, and maybe will ever have." It's, oh, and the you best know... video camera as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the thing records in 1080p. I mean, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Um, but you know, the other things about the camera that I really liked was uh, they they really wanted to stress the fact that the, the megapixels weren't the strength. I mean, they went into putting out that there's 30% more sharpness. It's a five element lens. You're able to get you know um, just these these really bright, vibrant, realistic um, colors, and it's it's professional grade quality in the hands of a cell phone now. I, I, think I think that's a I think that's strength. yeah. I'm gonna say that the the camera is really where they knocked it out of the park. Uh, I, I don't get me wrong; they tried to knock it out of the park and a lot of other stuff. I mean, they they're now claiming that they're in the world of gaming as they have been for a year or two now. Um, I I don't take iPhone gaming personally, uh, or I'm sorry, personally, I don't take it um, seriously. I don't look at it as a as a huge player in a gaming market. But I think it has the capabilities to go there, and we saw the first little bit of that with games, uh, Game Center, and now we're seeing it with the uh, the achievements that they're adding in now. I mean, you know, that's all a card from Xbox uh, Xbox Live, but it is a really cool feature, and it's going to get people to play the games more and more. I thought it was definitely great that they brought in Epic as well and showing off that new game that there uh, was a sequel. Um, to that little tech demo that they brought in, and actually, I think a lot of people were ended up buying it. But um, the graphics capabilities, yes, you're definitely going to get there. I think I don't know if iPhone as a gaming platform is definitely going to, you know, overtake something like Sony or Nintendo. Maybe I mean, if you if people are just liking those small, short experiences, you know, perhaps, and I maybe that's why Nintendo is so threatened by them, but. Uh, the other things that I noticed about the um, the presentation about the iPhone, that uh, including the camera, uh, was how they didn't really push too hard on 4G. 
uh, I, I noticed that they said, okay, they finally said, yes, there's going to be HSPDA plus on this thing. Even though they didn't really call it HSPDA plus, they just said, okay, it's going to be faster. It's going to go up to 14.4 megabits uh, download speed, except they're not going to call it. And they said, some people call this 4G. We're not going to argue about it. Um, I'm like, oh, okay, you're not going to argue about it? But they made no other mention. They really didn't mention anything at all. No WiMAX, no LTE. It was good strategy. That's, that's you know, Apple's really playing this game right. Apple didn't play a bad card tonight. It was just a weak hand. It's, I, I don't, I don't know how else to put it other than that. It's, they were, they, they didn't have enough to umph the hardcore diehard fans, but they have enough to sell their next bit of products. I think this is... I think an incremental upgrade was not what people were expecting. And I think that's the point that people are really going to be disappointed about is that it, it wasn't the amazing phone that we were expecting it to be. Yeah, I would have been all right understanding if you did have the same form factor. I mean, I can understand the amount of R&D that they put into the iPhone 4 in the first place, not to mention the amount that they put back into the antenna so they could get it going again, so they could have the, now they have this dual switching thing where that's how they were able to get the data speeds to go up. Right. But that, that whole, uh, um, so, so we can explain what it does. Uh, essentially if you've used an iPhone four, you, you notice that your antenna is split into two, uh, along the side, along the frame of your phone. Um, what they're doing now is, uh, they're utilizing the features of the phone for incoming outgoing for voice and data. They're able to, you know, the phone will automatically sense which of the two antennas it should use rather than using both all the time to try to do as much as possible. Hence why uh, they were able to knock out a little bit more on the battery life as well. Yeah, knock out some on the battery life. It's going to really up uh, phone and uh, signal quality, and it's really going to help speed up data. Um, Hopefully, I think, AT&T, you think, is praying that this is going to help solve their problems. <laughs> I, I almost I – almost, don't want to say <laughs> what I'm thinking here, but it, it it's really the same strategy that Nintendo used in the past, and it's uh, something that you saw in the video game wars um, from when we were kids in the 90s. You saw this whole thing of uh, Game Boy versus Game Gear, and definitely the technology was in the side of Sega. I mean, they were able to do um, Genesis-style games on a handheld but at, look at that who point. Won out. The only reason that Nintendo won out is because they just did simple, small in, um, bits of improvements to their product, and that translated into people spending the money they wanted to on that on that little improvement. From going to a thick, gray Game Boy, to going down to a Game Boy Pocket, to then making that Pocket do color, to making it do advanced graphics, to making it flip open with the SP... Uh, going down to putting you know two screens on an already uh, form factor that they saw already work with the SP, uh, going to the DS. I mean, every little increment of of improvement was minuscule. When I mean, if you look at the Game Boy Advance, which was almost five years later after the uh, Game Gear, um, it was doing graphics that were Super almost Nintendo. as good as Game Gear. Yeah, it was it was almost as good as what Game Gear used to be. So, and you're trying to make this analogous to that Apple doesn't necessarily have to be on the bleeding edge in order to keep its market share. 
Yeah, Apple doesn't. Apple's in the business of making money, and I think that's what people forget about. Apple is in the business of making as much money as possible, as fast as possible, and they're feeding us the product that would get our money. And a lot of this is also manufacturing costs too. Look, they've been building the same phone for a year. They have the manufacturing costs down. It's keeping. They're making more profit than they are on the phones than they started. I mean, look, they're they're. The, the reason they're making a world phone is not to make life simpler for all of us, even though it does. It's because you can, all you have to do is make one phone. Exactly. You make that one then- phone with, two, with the chips on it already for GSM, NH, and uh, CDMA. Yeah. Uh, the thing, too, is they want – I think they're trying to put as little stress on Foxconn, their manufacturer in China, as – as as possible. What, so I people mean, aren't offing themselves as often. As they were. Yeah. So so if people aren't going postal, I think we should honestly change that saying. And people are going Foxconn. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy's going like a fox right now. But um, I I really want to stress the fact that Apple didn't change the game. Apple didn't do something that we expected. Apple didn't live up to our standards, or not our standards, our expectations. No, and it definitely and it I think it hit our score. standards. Yeah, I think it it really they hit our standards. They did what we expected, and uh, that's going to leave the ball open for Google next week. So, and the the last thing that I want to talk about, just the last couple of features that I noticed um, weren't really there was. Uh, this whole notion of where they want to go with next generation networks. Um, I was disappointed that they didn't have that going. I mean, I'm going to harp on LTE until the cows come home until installed. Now, Tim Cook realizes that people want it. And, you know, maybe it will be in the iPhone 5 after they're able to, you know, capitalize and I, and 4G is more ubiquitous across markets. Maybe when maybe they're waiting for AT&T's markets to open up more. Um, no, I don't think it's that at all. My opinion, it, what it is, is it's it's brilliant marketing. It is brilliant marketing because they're waiting until the public is gonna demand a 4G iPhone. You mean like and, how they were with the 3G? Exactly, where it became an issue to where it becomes a market. Uh, where where it, it's going to open up the door for Android for a lot of people, and they're fine with that because there's going to be people who go, you know what, I'm just going to go to this Android phone because it's had 4G for the last year and a half, two years. But maybe that's when Apple is going to say, okay, guys, we'll get ready. <laughs> maybe that's when he'll bring out the i10 gallon hat that we talked about yesterday to, to announce that that iPhone 5. I, I, I think the iPhone 5, or if they're even going to go with an iPhone 4GS. Um, you own no. <laughs> I could already imagine the outcry or the please don't. But I mean, the iPhone 4S is coming out on October 14th. Pre-orders are starting on October 7th. I think it's regardless, you're going to have those diehard people who sell out like hotcakes. But I think this is a harder sell for people who have iPhone. I think this is a harder sell for early adopters. I think well, it's a here, far let me, harder Let me sell. ask you this, Justin. Um, I'm I'm a 3GS user who's been on AT&T now for two years. My contract is up. I uh, I can go anywhere. I can go to Sprint on their unlimited plan and use this iPhone 4S. I can go to Verizon and I can use their strong network um, to run my 4S. Or and, uh, you can or go to Sprint I, now and get an iPhone well, <laughs> for $79. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, if you, if you were in that position, um, what, what's your next step? For me right now, I would be, well, it depends on what the, who you're talking about. If you're talking about the tech savvy enthusiast, the, the people who are early adopters, the people who own iPhone fours right now, I think the people who own iPhone fours, this is going to be a tough sell. People who own i you know, uh, 3GSs, easier sell. Uh, people have been waiting for the next iPhone. They wanted to get the iPhone 4, and this is kind of like their second chance to jump into the game. Um, especially if you've been using um, something with a 3G network, I, I don't know if you're necessarily going to be missing all that much because you haven't experienced it. But for people who've, people who have droids, uh, or Android phones that are connected to the LTE network, or even WiMAX. So if people had a Bionic or a 3G or uh, or an Evo, um, you're gonna want LTE. You're gonna want WiMAX. And so I think the people who are looking at those phones, the people who are like us, the people who are gonna be buying this phone day one, are people like us. And I think that this is gonna be an issue. I don't think you're gonna see the fast sell-through that you've seen, like for instance when the 4 came out, because the cachet of the 4 is not there anymore. It's faster, it's sleeker. I mean, look at what happened when the 3 when the 3GS came out. It wasn't the gangbusters that we expected it to be, but it was, I mean, it was definitely there. I don't know if you remember, but there are even pictures for the iPhone 4 launches across the country at Apple stores where there's 30 Apple employees sitting there waiting for five people in line. I mean, they they... They haven't had this event of a launch in a few different models now. In a few different launches, we haven't seen this this outcry for the next iPhone. And maybe we're past that time. Maybe we're past the time where a phone gets gets the public that excited. Well, if that's um, the case, then has has an iPhone become a commodity now? Is it is it commodified now that? It's just kind of like, oh, you have this now and you just happen to have a model. I mean, is it just, is it like owning a car now? Is it that you own, okay, you have a Lexus, but okay, you have this year's Lexus or you have that year's Lexus. It's more of you actually have a Lexus rather than the model itself. So, you know, no one, you know, no one loses their, their minds when a new Lexus comes out or a new model comes out, you know, something that's real popular or whatever, whatever commodity you want to talk about. But well, yeah, but I mean, if you want to keep using this car analogy, I mean, let's look at Chevy with their uh, um, with their uh, Volt. I mean, that that started an outcry for pre-orders. That but started, see, but see, that was something new and different and innovative. And- and that's not what Apple gave me, and that's what I want. That's what it's going to take for Apple to drive that idea home. Is something that's new and innovative, and that's going to excite the masses. And do you think that they did that then? Do you think they really excited the masses with this iPhone 4S? No. I think that they played their Nintendo strategy, and I think they played it very well. I think they offered the next upgrade. They're, that they're definitely going to make a lot of money. They're and definitely going to make a lot of money <laughs> yeah. over this. And I, uh, I I really hope that some of that money goes to uh, R&D <laughs> next time. Yeah, I really I really hope. Uh, I mean, final final little uh, bit I guess on the iPhone. I just like to say I I, I personally don't think it's a it's a buy. Uh, I I've told people wait for the next one, wait for the next one, wait for the next one, and uh, I'm saying it again. Uh, I, I, I think this is the perfect time if you're a consumer who is waiting to get that next big great thing. 
I think this is the time for you to try something else. This is a time for you to experiment with maybe uh, BlackBerry's new operating system. Windows Phone 7 is a great operating system. Or if you try something new. Or, and how's this for a segue, ice cream sandwich. Ah, <laughs> yeah, or you can take a bite of the ice cream sandwich next week. Uh, October the 11th is scheduled for Google's next uh, press conference. Google and Samsung, their unboxing event with Google. And uh, I think this is the, no one's really said, Google or Samsung has not said what this is going to be about, but everybody pretty much knows. This is the unveiling of Ice Cream Sandwich. This is the unveiling of their new Nexus device. Whenever there's a new operating system that comes out from Android, there's always a Nexus device that comes in with it. We've seen it since the Nexus One. You have the Nexus S. You have now. You have the Nexus Prime. I I don't. I in my heart of hearts really wish another company would come in there and and try something new. You're I don't know. Mature, I you don't think Samsung can do it, or you just I don't know. How about how about Google uses the uh, mobile production company that they just purchased in Motorola. I mean, why, why not? Why not? Why not do this in house? Because I think that's a strategic move not to scare people. Because Eric Schmidt immediately after that says, "No, we're not going to make this proprietary. No, we're not going to go in and, you know, we're not going to play favorites just because we now own Motorola." Um, I, I won't spend too much time on this, but I think um, just because we haven't had this cast going long enough to talk about that stuff when it happened way back when. But uh, Google's acquisition of Motorola is, in my opinion, just a very strong um, buy in the patent market. Yes, exactly. That's, it's patent yeah. buys. It's it's a patent buy, and uh, I think that they're not going to rely too heavily on um, mobile production. Even, uh, though I think mo even though Motorola has had some of the stronger phones, I mean, you could argue that without the original Motorola Droid, that... Android wouldn't have the type of success they had, especially with that marketing campaign of Droid does. I, the Droid does what the iPhone can't. Yeah, I mean, I I did like that. Um, I I I just think that with this whole Droid does campaign, it um it it's kind of become a Verizon thing now, where it, Verizon is obsessed on this idea of Droid. Well, I think what Verizon though is like done double down on Android. I mean, look what happened last week when Samsung was getting sued by AT by uh, Apple, and who comes to the rescue to sell them, please do not put an injunction, Verizon. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a good strategic move. Um, but, you know, back to what we were talking about with the Motorola acquisition, um, Motorola's biggest kind of pattern that they had was the whole web top feature that you see on, for instance, the Photon on Sprint. You see that on the Atrix and the upcoming oh, Atrix God. too. They need to have a better manufacturer for those laptop docks. They feel like a cheap Asus netbook from They'll back get in the there. Day. They'll get there, but yeah, I that's, really that's think... no excuse for having this $600 phone that you're getting $299 with contract and then you're paying another, what, $199 for this shell? Yeah, it's, it's like, almost like you're paying – no, come on. Think about it this way though. The average person would spend $1,000 to get a phone, a home computer, and a laptop. But it doesn't – I don't think it has the same type of functionality that you could get out of a – unless, unless they put in Chrome OS and that's what I think it's going to end up going towards. I think Google is going to release this powerhouse of a product. Hopefully, maybe that's what we'll hear next week, but I don't really think so. 
I think it's something we'll see in maybe late uh, next year. Well, because I know I, that they, they they said ice cream sandwich is going to be the melding, which is I guess why it's a sandwich, is the melding between uh, of gingerbread and honeycomb. And if anybody's seen the leaks that happened, and we'll put, I'll post it on the show notes of the uh, the actual leak, but it looks like a small version of honeycomb. You have that Tron looking. Uh, dock display, you have your app drawer that now swipes horizontally instead of vertically. Um, you have, you hold down the home button and you get full previews, full thumbnail previews of the apps that you're using. You have widget previews. I mean, the whole thing looks really solid and really well polished. Right. And um, something, something that's going to be a definite competitor because I know people have always argued that one, there's fragmentation with Android devices. Two, you have uh, just an operating system that is good and functional, but just doesn't have the type of polish that iOS does. And I, I tend to agree. I mean, the iOS keyboard, for instance, great example of something that just they, Android hasn't just quite nailed down yet. But I'm hopeful on Ice Cream Sandwich because I think that you have the opportunity to innovate. And I think by making this, Google has a tendency to want to make super phones. Google has a tendency to want to make the best phone on the market, bar none. And so, I mean, if you look at the specs of the Nexus Prime, that uh, the alleged specs of the Nexus Prime that's supposed to be coming out, you've got a gig of RAM, you've got a 1.2 uh, gigahertz dual-core processor, you have a 10... Uh, 1280 by 720 display i mean that's insane on a i mean it's 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 a it's a really high resolution justin and it's really something that is is impressive but it's almost standard and i think what google's well, always the other done thing, though is it is on a 4.6 inch display so you're getting a pixel result you're getting a pixels per inch about 320 which we're getting dangerously close to apple's retina display yeah, it's that's that's what I wanted to bring up is that Apple still has them beat on that Retina display. Um, I think Google's objective with the Nexus series is to say, look, here's the specs that everyone uses. Here is the industry standard right now, and here's how we can utilize it to do even more. So I, I, I next week, I mean, hopeful predictions are uh, uh with that whole honeycomb introduction and that whole honeycomb integration i'd like to see something where they integrate to a tablet i don't want to see just a look and feel i want to see something that actually integrates my android phone to my android tablet i want to see android bridge i want to see something similar to that so you want basically them to do what blackberry was doing with their playbook that is a great idea. It's a great concept, and I don't know why they're not trying to approach that market. I mean, with a tablet market being so heavily controlled by Apple and going to get a really hard um, hit <laughs> from Amazon. Well, the thing is, is that they don't have – well, I think with Amazon, you could definitely make the case that Android – because it's running on top of Android – uh, the operating system for uh, well, it's running Amazon. on top, but it's it's a com it's a it's it's competition. I mean, and the the Amazon uh, Kindle Fire is definitely going to be right because it's not going to be using the Google market. It's not using the Google Marketplace for apps. It's using its own market. 
And they were really, really smart with that design, making them soft buttons for all the Android controls. I mean, if uh, in case you guys haven't seen it, uh, on the actual uh, Kindle Fire, there isn't a hard button for any of the Android buttons, which would be like home, back, search, and menu. Well, I don't know if you haven't seen this either. Then on the uh, the leaked photos of the Google of the Nexus Prime, uh, there's no physical buttons on the thing. It's all well, going to be soft touch. Well, is it is it soft touch where we've seen before, like uh, something on like the HTC Shift, where there's just you know um, touch sensitive areas of the phone, or is it a soft touch where we actually flip up on the touch screen to access the buttons? No, no, on the actual phone, the way that it works is that it almost seems as if the screen keeps going down past the actual. Uh, useful screen, the touch screen that you actually use, and goes down to where you usually would have soft keys, and those soft keys now are virtual. Oh, so, okay. So I, I, I think I've, there's been a phone, I think I don't know if HTC made it, where you actually, if you turned it, and it had the similar concept that the orientation of all of those buttons would actually rotate because it was all virtual. Right, yeah, they have that on the, uh, the tablet, the HTC Flyer. Right, and, and that's what you're going to see, and that's exactly what they do with Honeycomb. Honeycomb has no physical buttons. So if they do that with gingerbread, I think that's going to be cool. And I only saw, I didn't see, I only saw three of them. I saw a search, a home, and a back. Um, so I'm wondering if menu is going to be context sensitive just in terms of the actual app. It's going to be really interesting to see how that UI interface change happens because it looks like it's going to be pretty significant. Yeah, definitely. But I think that um, what's really going to hit us hard is next week, specifically at that event, is uh, a new type of UI for Ice Cream Sandwich. They have to they have to attack Apple at its weakness, and that would be um, their lackluster performance today. And I uh, think with having uh, it's having NFC on there, having LTE, having uh, just being a powerhouse on in terms of uh, just raw performance uh, I think they definitely have something strong there now hopefully Samsung's learned some of its its indiscretions with uh, doing these real plasticky feel I mean if you've ever felt the Galaxy S I mean it's a beautiful phone but then you touch the back of it and you're like it feels like a toy so hopefully, yeah. so hopefully they've improved the industrial design. That's the only qualm I have with Samsung doing this phone. I, I mean, if HTC were to do this phone, I would definitely just want to buy it in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. I, I'd place my pre-order before I even see the press conference. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Samsung can do. Uh, I have a feeling this might be Samsung's last hurrah if it doesn't hit. Um, well, Samsung's, I think Samsung, I actually am going to disagree with that. I think Samsung definitely is probably, minus Apple, one of the strongest competitors right now in the smartphone market. Just look at the Galaxy S. It is, minus the iPhone, the most demanded phone. Uh, yeah, you know, it is because it's the best iPhone, or I'm sorry, it's the best uh, Android phone on the market right now. Um, but, you know, if we go back six weeks ago, it was the Thunderbolt. If we go back six weeks before that, it was the Evo. If You know, if it, whatever whatever phone it is with Android, there's always this, this issue of six weeks later, you already have something that's better than your phone. You already have something that can do more, that, that, that can... Um, uh, outperform your device. So between, and I think that's something I, I, that's something that Google's going to definitely have to address at the press conference next week. Is this whole issue? Uh, they've they've hit on it before, but when you buy an Android phone, when you buy an ice cream sandwich phone, you are going to be getting every single update as it comes out for, for the next two years. years. How yeah, much is it? 
18 it's months? 18 months, yeah. A year and a half. Months. I mean, a year that's, and a half, yeah. And that's the average uh, update for. Or I'm sorry, that's the average upgrade length uh, for the major cell phone um, networks. So it's it's a good it's a good thing to stand by, and it's a good thing to make sure that you're not out of the loop. Um, I, I just I, I have high expectations for Android next week, but I had some high ones for Tim Cook and the boys at Cupertino this week as well. And- uh, you know what? Uh, you know, Schmidt happens. So I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, definitely, you know, you get Eric Schmidt up on there with the the groups over uh, the group over at Samsung. I think there's definitely going to be some impressive stuff over there because la- every time that I see Android, it's always excited to innovate. But I do think... He- you know, just the last point that I want to bring up, my last thought on this is you do have an issue on, you know, Android loves to innovate as quickly as possible. Apple tends to slow it down as much as it can and still create as much of a profit as it can because Google doesn't make any money off of Android. Google makes money. Google doesn't license it. Right. Whereas whereas Apple's making a ton of money off of it. And I think the one in the middle that could be the real dark horse that everybody else, you know, hasn't noticed quite yet because it hasn't reached its prime is Windows Phone 8. I think Windows Phone 8 will be when things really start hitting its stride and I think Microsoft can start uh, making its own niche because they seem to be in the middle where they do license their software and they do have very rigid demands of what they have to have in their hardware as opposed to Apple, as opposed to Android, where it's just kind of, you know, do as you will with the software. And just look at the updates. Every single phone has Mango now as of this week or next week. Every phone will have Mango. Right. Um, You know, the the whole Windows new approach to their new operating system on Windows uh, 8 is one operating system that will work everywhere. And that's the future of technology. That's where the future of this um, industry is going. And, um, I mean, I, I'm really excited to one day have a phone in my pocket that I take home and I slap into a laptop dock and it gives me Windows operating system or it gives me a, a leading OS that I can use to not only do web browsing and file management and, and media consumption, but I can also go down and, for instance, I'm a graphic designer. I, I want to be able to run Photoshop on, on a device. I want to be able to do my work as if I was running a computer. And that's where this industry is going. Um, I, is, is Google going to take that big next step towards that with Ice Cream Sandwich? Are they going to put in some sort of integration where we see kind of what they did with uh, their last press conference where they integrated a lot of accessory usage where they said that there's going to be in the future updates of Android. You, you can control can tr- light bulbs. <laughs> exactly. You control <laughs> light bulbs. You control your appliances, your music in your home, you know, different things all, all via Wi-Fi that your devices would have a chip that would you know, be compatible with Android. And see, that's the thing that, that Google has done in the past couple of years. Google gets me excited for things that I'm going to see that I haven't even seen yet or they just talk about it. Google gets me excited about thinking about those things. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, I'm just saying uh, <laughs> kind of like you said with uh, Schmidt happens, if Google doesn't uh, come out and knock this out of the park, uh, their, go- their goose might get cooked. Uh, well, we'll, we'll definitely have to see what happens on uh, on next Tuesday. So, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, for this week, uh, I'm Andrew Yanez. I'm Justin Valero, and that was uh, the world in my pocket. See you guys next week. Take care. <laughs>